we'd like to know how he ended up as a celebrant for your wedding. Oh, you want the real story? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, so basically, uh, there was one night we were kind of back in Sydney and Bondi um, when Drew and I were living together. I started seeing my now wife, Anna, and we have an open door policy at home. House of Rugby Ireland, here on Joe. Game changed. Hello and welcome to House of Rugby Ireland here on Joe. We are all back in studio today and we have a great show lined up for you all. In part two, we're going to have an Aussie special. Ferguson Ian are joined by Leinster Scott Vardy and all the way from Los Angeles, Adam Ashley Cooper. Part two is pretty good as well and it is our pleasure to welcome Munster and Ireland star and recent British and Irish line squad call-up Tyg Byrne. Welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Thank you. Cheers for having me. It's been a mad few weeks for you, I imagine. Yeah, no, the last uh, week and a bit's been been a hell of a week, in fairness. Yeah, I'd say your phone hasn't stopped hopping. Yeah, well, first first two days now, I was probably glued to it, in fairness, just trying mm-hmm. to reply to everyone, and uh, it probably took a few days to sink in, and to be honest, it probably is still sinking in. Um, even, my, even I got a text off one of my mates there the other day, just being like, I actually can't believe... Your line, and I just, probably just hit home again yeah. in that moment. So, um, yeah, I still have to pinch myself to to, to realise that it actually happened. I know, and there's so much more ahead of you. Where were you when you when when you got the message or the text or the email, or the phone call, whatever it was? And well, you actually find out at the exact same time as everyone else. That's probably so. It's uh, it's nervy enough. I think we we had a we had a team run that morning. Um, and we all went for a coffee afterwards, just uh, outside, and we we're kind of hanging around at around twelve o'clock. And I kind of made the decision to go back home to watch it with my missus. Um, and thankfully, I did because she was actually a nervous wreck back at the house. She was there cleaning the place, trying to keep herself busy. Um, and yeah, I sat down with her to watch it, and I actually wasn't nervous at all until the moment um, they just said we're going to announce the squad now, and I just. My my, tumult, my stomach took a turn and I felt felt sick and I was like, oh, got so nervous. But obviously when my name got got announced, it was uh, it was pretty special. So you're obviously Burns, so be one of the first names called out in the squad. I know myself being a C. When your name gets called, you just completely zone out. You don't think about it. like, did you have to like you know look at it back again and figure out who was picked because you just kind of zoned out after you heard your own name. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like obviously the the backs got. I remember from watching it four years ago, I was almost sure they just did it all alphabetically and then they said, oh, the backs are first. So that was kind of like, oh, I'm going to have to wait this out. So just listening to that. Um, but then I knew obviously when the forwards going to come out, I'd know straight away. Um, but yeah, when the first, when my name got called out, me and my missus obviously just celebrated together and we didn't, I, I barely paid attention for the next couple of minutes um, until they put up all the names on the on the screen and I just paused it and went through it myself and just, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It almost doesn't feel real, the fact that it was done like virtually and like oh. all, like they made, it was great in fairness, the announcement was really, really good, but mm. you know, it's it's different obviously with COVID that, you know, you couldn't be with more people or celebrate yeah. more. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it was, you know, I, I think it was it was quite nice for me. I, I was happy to just watch it with my, with, with my fiance, to be honest, because that's a pretty special memory as well, just the two of us um, getting to celebrate it. It'd be pretty cool as well to watch it as a group, but, you know, there's 
there's always two ways of looking at that. You know, if you watch it as a team, there's going to be lads disappointed as well. So, um, yeah, no, I was pretty happy the way I got to got to enjoy the news. Yeah, great to have so many Irish guys involved as well. But what about the the Scarlets boys that you would have known mm. from being over there? Um, you know, you'll still you'll know a good few going over that will make it, I suppose, extra fun as well. Yeah, for sure. I think I was texting Garth Davis um, probably a couple of hours after the announcement. Me and him would have been pretty close. So uh, we were uh, just saying we're, we'd be looking forward to togging out again together um, since the Scarlet's days. And then I was chatting to Liam Williams as well. So, you know, I've, I played with all those boys. Um, so it'd be, it'd be great to, to get to play alongside them again. Your journey as well, I suppose, to this point, Tig, has kind of been... The, the road less travelled, which I think, mm. you know, makes it cooler from, you know, being in Leinster when you were there, didn't make it, and then going away and forging your way, you know, mm. Scarlet's back to Munster, eventually, you know, getting picked for Ireland after a period when maybe, you know, a lot of people were saying you should have got more caps as well. Um, and then, you know, before the Six Nations, there was probably arguments over who was going to start in the second or who was going to start in the back row. Were you in that conversation? And now from the Six Nations, you'd certainly be one of the first names on the team sheet and you're, you're travelling over. Like It's been it's pretty, yeah. pretty unbelievable when you think about it that way. Pretty <laughs> forgot to say that you were in sixth year when he was in first year as well. You, you, left, you were there for oh, the I didn't want to let the <laughs> listeners know just how old I am. <laughs> Thanks for that, Emer, yeah. So five years left in my career. So. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more than that, man, don't worry. Wingers go out earlier. Um, yeah, no, look, I think it's it is it's certainly a road. Um it was a longer a longer journey for sure and um you know, I don't think anyone would have would have guessed or put money on me being in this situation. It was about five or six years ago, um when Leinster told me they didn't didn't see me playing for them anymore, they didn't want me or whatever. Um so to make that journey into Scarlets and obviously my my career just took off there and I got I, I just think it comes down to timing. Like timing is essentially everything. Like uh, I got picked up by Scarlets last minute because they decided they needed a second row to then get my first kind of opportunity in Scarlets because on two weeks on the bounce because two players were having their first chi- first kid both weeks. So then I was put into the team for those two weeks. And obviously played well, and then from that point on, I kept my position. But if they didn't have the kids, then <laughs> I probably wouldn't be here, you know. Um, so you're putting it all down to that, basically. It's, it's just, it, it's essentially look. At, like, a lot of it's look. Obviously, you have to put in the work and all you need of to that. Visit those kids. Buy them some good Christmas presents this, this Christmas. <laughs> uh, for sure, like it's just uh, like even even coming back here and then. Like it's it's luck for me, but it's obviously unluck for other people. Like coming into the Six Nations, just gone as I've said a few times. Like I don't think, like personally going into it, I just wanted to be in the Irish squad, and then my my aim was to get into a twenty three. Mm. Um, now you'd say it's luck for me, but it's obviously unlucky for the lads who got injured. Like Quinn Rue, he he had to leave camp because he was injured. Um, then obviously. Uh, Handy was only back from a long-term injury, so they they decided to put me in and um, start that first game against Wales. And um, you know, there's obviously an element you have to be ready for those opportunities. And luckily for me, I, I managed to put in a performance to to keep my spot for the following game and 
managed to continue to do so for that Six Nations. But, you know, as I say, especially around now, it's, timing was everything and there was a lot of luck involved as well, I think. Like you say it's luck, but at the end of the day as athletes, you know you make your own luck. Like there's a lot of hard work put in behind that nobody does see and they only see you playing those 80 minutes or yeah. so, but there's a lot of hard work that goes in behind it. But going back to the Leinster, you're saying Leinster didn't want you. Like that's mm. tough at the start of your career to have I suppose that kind of a conversation with the coach yeah. and it must have been difficult to pick yourself up to head over to Scarlet's and essentially move your whole life over like that takes resilience yeah. as a player as well Yeah well, I think it, it was definitely it was a big decision at the time um, I think my uncle only the other day was laughing because he was telling me I should just kind of give it up at the time <laughs> at, at the time he was like oh look it's, <laughs> it's been a tough role maybe it's time you just kind of Continue because I was doing a master's at the time, um, and I didn't get to finish the master's, but I was doing it at the time. So it was kind of a decision: do I continue with the masters and just go out into the real world, or take one last chance um, at rugby? And I think my mum was was probably sick of seeing like the highs and the lows of those those last few months of will I be in a team, won't I be in a team? So she was also probably a bit like, oh, maybe it's best to. Um, to just kind of focus on the on the masters, but you know when we I sat down with my mum and dad, and that was the decision that we we just uh, I just said I wanted it one more crack, and they got behind me, and thankfully I I decided to make that decision. So basically, you're saying is they never expected you to make the Lions tour? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't think that was even the conversation. That uncle uh, won't be getting any gear from the, from the trip, I'd imagine. But uh, you know what it points out? I think like. To me, I think it should point out to anyone that's listening, like and someone that's maybe coming through a, a school system that's a good player or a youth system or in their clubs, you know, because there are only four provinces in Ireland mm. and it doesn't always fall people's way. And I remember when you came in to the academy, um, you were a lot younger and there was other guys uh, your age who were getting opportunities and that must have been frustrating for you. Mm. Because I literally remember any time I was going in and getting strapped, you were on the physio bed. You were injured the whole time. Yeah. You know, and it's, as you say, it's timing, but, you know, timing is one thing, but it's about perseverance because some guys think, oh, I'm not going to make it in the Irish system, so that's me done. And you do see a lot of guys and a lot of players that, mm. that don't crack on that are, that are good enough. Yeah, for sure. And I think a big part of that as well is like, um, you know, when you do have those injuries, you you can a perception or you know the coaches and the staff and even the players kind of can look at you and put you in a category and it's hard to come out of that kind of persona of way people the players look at you and if you're willing to move and make that move abroad or wherever you do get an opportunity you're getting a fresh start so you're you're getting an opportunity to kind of reinvent yourself essentially and show coaches what you can do and it's not just a thing of going, Oh, look, should we should we play this guy or will he get injured? That kind of that kind of that kind of feel to it. So yeah, like uh, I think it probably should happen a bit more. Um I think when you're growing up as well, like you know, you're growing up in Leinster and you're probably all, all you want to do is play for Leinster. Um so that's that's your main goal and then when it doesn't work it can be quite deflating for a lot of people and they just they kind of lose lose hope a bit, but so there you, you said know. it. You, you grew up wanting to play for Leinster, and here you are, monster man at the moment. So to take us back to twenty fourteen, <laughs> you had a phenomenal individual season in that Pro fourteen win against Munster with Scarlets. 
Um, and what was the thought process around the move to Limerick? Was um, it them or was it you? You know, obviously they saw you playing phenomenal that year. They, they came to me, and I think it was a, it was, it was. I was never, I was never going to go back to Leinster. I just, uh, as I was leaving, there was always going to be a bit of resentment there, and that's just the way it is. Like I try not to say. I I often look back and go, no, I don't. But then sometimes I'm like, okay, there there obviously was at the time, so that was never going to be the case. And then when Munster came, it, it was a club that I probably tried to gone to, try to go to um, before I signed for Scarlet, but they were pretty stacked. Um, and then they came to me um, when I was at Scarlet, so it was a massive opportunity, and I obviously want to play for my country, um, so. It was one. It was an easy decision. It's such a. It's a club with massive history. It's a club that's been massively successful, um, and so it was a bit of a no-brainer when they did come to me. It was like to get to go home, back to back to Ireland and have an opportunity to play for Ireland as well was huge. So, yeah, it was an easy easy decision. It wasn't long after that that you got called into the Irish setup. Um, mm. You know, were you just there, hoping to get you know be on the twenty-three, or did you have aspirations to start? Yeah, for sure. I think it was my last year in Scarlets. I had signed for Munster, so I was actually disappointed not to be in that Six Nations um, squad because I thought there might have been an opportunity because I'd already committed to being back in Ireland that I'd be in that Six Nations squad, but uh, that wasn't to be. Um, so that that was disappointing. And then I got obviously called into Austra for the Australia tour. Um, and at the time, I just all, all you care about is getting that first cap. Is just whether it's on the off the bench or starting. That's that was the goal. But then once you get your first cap, now it's about getting into the twenty three. And then when you get into the twenty three, it's about getting into the starting team. So um, I think from the start, it was just just to be involved and just to get a cap. Um, and then as 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 you get them, your goals start to. Increase. And you're never content, really, as a player, are you? No, you're always always striving for more, and I think that's just the competitive nature in any sports person. So you're basically saying after this year's Six Nations, after getting nominated as a, um, you know, potential player of the tournament, you were thinking. He was disappointed like, not to be captain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, wanted to be he was captain. actually disappointed with his fiance. <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm not captain. You know. <laughs> So, but what we're saying is, like, we were here chatting about you for weeks. Like, I think there wasn't mm. one show that we meant, didn't mention you and Robbie Henshaw for a Lions test. Um, the media do a lot of talking. We're players, we know they don't always get it right. You know, they do a lot yeah. of talking, but it's not necessarily what the coaches are thinking or how the game plan is. Or, you know, we know a lot more on the inside than, than they do. But was there ever a moment that you were like, Jesus, I actually couldn't make a Lions tour? Or did you just put it to the back of your head because you didn't want to get your hopes up? <laughs> Definitely tried to put it to the back of my head, but it's it's definitely it's a I, I, it's an impossible task. With you know, as players, you do. Fergal probably know and yourself as well. You, you you try not to look at media as much as you can because it can be there's some nasty things out there as well that can hurt your confidence. Um, so you do the last thing you want to do is be searching. On Twitter and or, or whatever the the news feeds, um, like on what's been said about you, but it's your parents, it's your family, it's everyone else around you who's actually doing all the reading for you and telling yeah. you about it, even though you're not asking about it. So you'd be lying if 
at some point the hope started creeping in and then it started becoming a reality in my head and I was like, oh, maybe I have a chance. And that's why when probably the announcement came around that I knew I did have a chance probably because of everything that had been going on in the in the weeks beforehand and all the teams, um, my dad or whoever would be telling me that this person puts you in the... Lion squad and this person. Craig didn't put you in. Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> I think he did actually. So uh, an old Clangonian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it obviously creeps in at some point, and then from that point on, you're just like, oh, I really do hope I make it. It's impossible to kind of get away from that at the moment. And anyway. fair enough, you're not going to buy the paper and pick it up or mm. in a cafe. But you know, ninety percent of people our age are are on social media yeah. platforms, and even if you're not following certain things. Yeah. You know, you were one of the people that was getting talked about a lot, and there's so much exposure to lions. It's it's yeah. very hard not to to see some of it. So it's it's a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it, you could be even just walk. Like, I'd be walking my dog with with, with the missus, and a guy would stop. You'd be like, "Just you be on the lines now soon. How best to look over there?" <laughs> like, right, well, hasn't been selected. So, but like, it comes from every angle that. So it obviously creeps in, and yeah, there was I was cer certainly hopeful when the announcement was was made. And with the announcement, like for someone who obviously there isn't a women's Lions team, it's never going to be an option for us. But it, it might be in the future. Yeah. You, you would have made yeah. it though, because you're in the top fifteen uh -huh. for the. You were number fifteen. <laughs> you were from yeah. the Six Nations. <laughs> again, oh, I'm, look, she's I'm, not my, I'm not getting my phone book again here like Ty. I'd say there's lots of other good fullbacks around the place, yeah. but. <laughs> I would, would like to think they'd bring in a line so for the women. They had talked about it this yeah, year, but it just it'd just be all English players, to be honest. Like, <laughs> It'd be a pretty cool thing to yeah. have, though, wouldn't it? Give yeah. people more incentive, and I reckon it would bring Absolutely, up the standard, yeah. yeah. I think for it sure. would, yeah. But I suppose what I was going to ask there was, um, how does it, be, like, did you just say, look, I've had a good season, you know, maybe I'll just head home and watch it, or, um, like, could, does every player, like, head home with the hope of, of being announced? Mm. I wouldn't say every player. I think there's there was a few hopefuls for sure, and it's probably the lads around you as well, the, your your teammates is around you as well. They're probably telling you as well that yeah. you have a good chance. You better head so, home then, yeah, like finish up exactly. your coffee. Exactly. So there's probably a handful of us that would have went home to watch it in the hopes of our names being called out, and you know, there's obviously going to be disappointed lads there as well, and um, that's the. That's the nature of the beast, I suppose. Yeah. Like some it's funny you say that because before, before New Zealand, New Zealand was the last one, wasn't it? Before South Africa, mm. so they lost in the last test. They were actually they drew, they? Or they drew, so they're yeah. correct. But they get to, to hold it or something because is that? It's, they got to hold the trophy okay, or something yeah. because they'd won it the last and they'd played or something. So, but yeah. the, my my point was going to be that before that squad was picked, it was the same thing on Sky Sports. Or whatever Warren Warren Gatlin, or yeah Warren Gatlin at the time was announcing it, but we had all just come from training and everyone was in the cafeteria in Leinster, yeah. and that's brutal. Like you are around essentially, it's another family, right? When you're in yeah, a squad, really. Exactly. But it's, again, it's tough because you got. Guys. It's great when you get picked, but if yeah. you don't. Oh, but that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, because you, you, like, you, you see got, the videos of the lads, like I think yeah. the Gloucester. I seen the video of the Gloucester boys watching it together and mm. see rank. When Chris Harris got picked, everyone went mad, which is really cool if that's you. Mm -hmm. But then obviously, the double-edged sword, yeah. yeah. The Get lads up. who don't get picked, it's kind of, yeah. what do you do? And was there, like, obviously, with even, like, the Rainbow Cup, it was, you know, 
everyone's going to South Africa. And it was like, no, we're just going to do mm-hmm. Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, and no trip to South Africa. And mm-hmm. was, there, was there ever a doubt in your mind that, you know, this Lions tour won't actually go ahead? Yeah, for sure. I think probably before I was even thinking I'd any chance in it, to be honest. I was more kind of thinking from a spectator's point of view around Christmas time and that. I was kind of like, oh, I don't see it happening. Um, but then as then all the rumours kind of started about whether it would start, whether it would be in the UK or not, which probably seemed like a good backup plan realistically, especially uh, with how they're getting on with COVID and stuff. They'll be back to normal normal by then, so they would have had full stadiums, which would have been cool. But you know, I'm not going to complain that it's in South Africa. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we we were chatting to a few um, South African guests last weekend and. They were, they were kind of hopeful that there would be some element of crowds, even if it was just kind of reduced capacity, but I suppose you can look forward yeah. to that. Well, mm. play in front of any crowd would be great. Yeah, mm. I know, even like more than more than 100 people <laughs> yeah. would be great. Um, I suppose you're down in Munster with Damien Dialende and Ardis mm. Lyman. Um, not sure how his injury is coming along, but is there much kind of, you know, banter among you guys with the, the South Africans, you know, you might come up against them? Um, not not really. They haven't been mentioned too much. Uh, Damien's one of the most chill guys you'll come across. He probably isn't, hasn't even thought about it at this stage. <laughs> he just takes life. He just takes li- life as it comes. Like he's yeah, a, he's enough. a great character. In fairness yeah. to him, um, and obviously for Orgy, it's it's completely dependent on how, how he gets on over the next few weeks. Um, you know, hopefully he will be back for for his sake. But I I. I'm not going to make that call for him. <laughs> yeah, you're not too really bothered about that. You can stay there, you're fine. Um, would you be hopeful for, obviously, on our teams, when we picked our teams and when the whole media have picked their teams, and even Sean O'Brien in, in like on House of Rugby UK mm. has said about how versatile you are, either a six or a seven. Has it been discussed where you will sevens. be? I don't know if I'll be playing seven. Seven's a push. Seven's, seven's a push. push. <laughs> um, no, I, do, I really don't mind. Like, I... I I'm sure probably if I was looking at the squad, it'd probably be, if I was to guess, I'd say more chance of a six than in the row, but I'd be more than happy to play in either position, to be honest with you. If I was, if I was, on, if I was on the starting squad, I'd be absolutely thrilled to be there. It's a great string to have to your bow, though, in terms of covering both, because we talked, the three of us were saying there, you know, how greedy you get when you, you achieve a goal, but then you're looking mm. for the next thing. And really now, You've been picked in the extended yeah. squad, but yeah, everyone's goal going over there is going to be to, get to be the in the twenty-three. Absolutely, you know, and to be involved in the test matches. Yeah. And it, it, you're a guy that you know can can play across the back row and the second row. Mm. You know, there's specialist positions. It's great, but it, I think it'll it'll be a it could be a real strong point for you to get into um, a few of those twenty-threes. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. But I suppose at the same time, if you look at the squad, there's a lot of lads like it, like. Maratoje plays six as well. Courtney Laws plays six as well. Mm. You know, even Henderson used to play six. So it seems like, in terms of the lads who have been selected in the second round, a lot of them have that versatility as well. So um, he'll certainly have options there, that's for sure. Is there any guys like that now that you, you've played against in the last few years that you're going to have to put on a a nice face and be really friendly to them after your battles on the field? <laughs> no, not at all. I don't think. I, I'm actually very chilled in terms of that like what whatever happens on the field I'm pretty relaxed shake your hand afterwards and just happy to have a beer with you I wouldn't hold any grudges that's for sure 
We'll head over to House of Rugby UK and here's Sean O'Brien. He was talking about how you used to be a real nightmare to go against in training. We're going to play a little clip here. What do you think about Ty Burnshaw? I thought he impressed me in the back rows here. And he, and I think he's got a great shot because he covers... Yeah, he covers... Yeah. Just so good, it makes him, for me, pretty much a banker to go on that tour. Would you believe, when we when Tyg was with Leinster, I, I used to hate training against him because he was one of these lads that was an absolute pain in the hole. I swear to God, he used to frustrate me so much. He'd be lying, <laughs> lying on the wrong side, holding you in rooks, doing all these things that wanted that you want a young fella to do with training. Um, he was so competitive. And he's just really come into his own now as well. So he has been unbelievable. He's probably someone though that I expect that from now with his performances for, with Munster. Um, but I suppose cementing his place in the Ireland team now. And he can play anywhere, as you've said, Sam. He can play six, seven. Uh, the only place that I wouldn't be so comfortable with him is eight probably. But he can cover the second row. Um, and he has, he's, he's, he's just showing up every single time. And he has been that pain in the hole for, for oppositions. Um, he's one of those lads who you'd love to thump when you're, when you're training against him. Um, and he's been, he's been brilliant. And I said, I put up a post last week. I just said, this fella is, is playing some stuff at the minute. Um, so he's, he's definitely the pitcher, I think, now in, in Gats's plans, I'd say. So a real nightmare. Is that something you would pride yourself to be on the field? Like the pest he was saying, he still at that stuff in rooks. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think, I think when he's talking back in the Leinster days, I certainly was that. Um, especially my last year, I was on a rolling contract essentially. So I had the summer for two months, then I had a four month contract, and then they signed me on for six six months. So I particularly remember being an absolute pest in training. Um, and me and me and Shawnee had a few <laughs> had a few run-ins, all right. But uh, as I said earlier, you'd walk off the pitch and laugh about it later. Um, but yeah, I think you know that the, then days definitely st- stood to me going forward, especially into Scarlets and stuff. And you know, I think it's certainly probably always as Wiggs always says to me, my point of difference is around that area, around in the rock in terms of turnovers and stuff. So. Um, it's just something I enjoy doing, and um, so, so I suppose yeah, pest would probably be the right yeah. word. Yeah, Matt was saying a few <laughs> weeks ago as well that when like us to do analysis on Munster, that they'll be like, right, try and, and get away, like stay away from you if all possible yourself <laughs> and um, Chris Clote at the breakdown. Yeah. I'm sure there's a few battles at Munster training actually with yourself, Peter Manny, Clote <laughs> at the breakdown must be a nightmare. Know, yeah. Yeah, no, we d- we certainly have a few boys, CJ, Pete, Chris. Um, there are certainly a good few lads there who are good over the ball, for sure. Yeah, going back to your Leinster Academy days, so Ferg told a story a few weeks ago about how you used to work as a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> so that year, and you actually delivered we're one keep, time we're gonna to... Keep, we're going to keep your feet on the ground here, by the <laughs> way. Just after hearing all these this lovely stuff about yourself, Lions. Lions, we're Let's doing go need back to get to your There's nothing you embarrassing know. about this. I don't know why everyone loves it. Um... Yeah, deliver pizzas for base. Or I think it was about three years I did it. Um, so I, I used to know who was ordering the pizzas. A lot of the lads would be surprised when I turn up at their door, in fairness. Um, <laughs> you turn up to Sean Cronin's door on purpose just to hand deliver it? <laughs> no, in fairness. I can imagine that unsettling him, though. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know, you, you know Sean, he's, uh, he's a very unsettled character in the best of times. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I did see your little clip where you said he he thought it was a uh, it, it was 
he was getting punked, which is I'd actually forgotten about it to be honest. With you, <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> but yeah, no, I certainly delivered to a, a good few of the Leinster boys um, back then. But sure, you know, you have to make money somehow. You did, was, you absolutely uh, did. Um, the, another guest said on the show, I can't even remember who it was, but that you were really laid back in the changing room. That, that like, Ronan, it could be, it was Ronan Lamani. It was, it was Ronan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that you could be like, no, 10 he said that he, was pl- he, he could be playing, like, the, the, some lads are banging their heads against the wall and, you know, they're proper, revving themselves up. And Ty could pretty much be playing Candy Crush, you know, before he's, before <laughs> oh. he's made to throw his, jer- his jersey on there to go out. Well, my go to game is actually chess, would you believe? Um, yeah, they always laugh. Uh, Niall always loves the story. We were playing Exeter. Um, we were playing Exeter in Exeter, and I, I like to play chess. Like I just I don't like to be on the pitch too early, and yeah. so I don't really see the need of getting changed. The second you get into change, you're, you're, you're there like an hour before yeah, yeah, you need yeah. to be out essentially. So I'll sit back and play chess, but I couldn't get the wi- I couldn't get Wi-Fi where we were. Because um, I couldn't get signals, so I was going, <laughs> I was going around asking everyone what the Wi-Fi code was. <laughs> the kickers um, were going out in the field. The yeah, they're kicking. They were say, looking at the I'd say lads were looking at me like, "What the hell is this lad doing?" <laughs> but yeah, you could literally um, pawn it off and just say that you know it's you thinking, you know, getting your head set, getting your mindset right for the game. Yeah, well, I, exactly. It's just kind of relax, and then once you get into the warm-up you just you, you flick a switch don't you well I, I know some people aren't like that some people need the build-up some people don't whereas I I'm very much able to just kind of relax a bit until I need to kind of get switched on horses for courses kind of isn't it like you know the way going to games you'd have some some of your teammates that like a chat going to mm. the going to the stadium and maybe even a bit of a laugh you know yeah. not not over the top but mm. you know Light-hearted stuff, and then other people might be proper listening to their their pump-up music. Like, get to yeah, <laughs> so it just depends yeah. on the individuals. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Will you be taking your chess over to South Africa with you? Yeah, it's on. A, it's an app on the phone. Actually, I think all the Leinster lads are mad into it. I, I after that uh, Queen's Gambit, I seen a load of them playing it uh, yeah. during Irish camp. <laughs> That's great. Um, Ty, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and huge best of luck um, in South Africa with the Lions. Cheers, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'll be back in just a moment with Ian Ferg and Scott Fardy with Adam Ashley Cooper. House of Rugby Ireland. Tell us what you think by comment and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Right, lads. Adam Ashley Cooper and Scott Fardy, you're very welcome to House of Rugby Ireland. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, good, fellas. Thanks for having us. Great to have you on. Well done last night, Swoop. Another good win. Yeah, another W. Particularly a nice little win at a a special venue, SoFi Stadium. Uh, The Americans are carrying on like it's arguably the best stadium in the world, so... They did put about six billion into it, so uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll want to deliver. <laughs> six billion different lines on the pitch as well. Was that confusing playing on that surface? <laughs> oh, mate, it is. It's it's very confusing because you know me. I'm very symmetrical and all about boundaries and lines and everything in order. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite challenging. But um, usually we play at the LA Coliseum, which is just a grass deck um, and has the the field marked out. Um, with the respective rugby lines, but uh, last night's challenging for sure. 
Yeah, it's it's great following you guys on Instagram. The the social media manager is doing a great job following the the Guillotini brand. How are you finding it over there? Yeah, everyone's pitching on their socials. That's for sure. Um, I mean, everyone's really enjoying themselves over here. As you see, you've seen a lot of good stuff on social media, but. Um, we have been training pretty hard. We've been ripping in and working working well, but um, in terms of the lifestyle here, mate, it's it's, it's a great change up. California. Um, unfortunately, today's the first day I've seen it rain since I've been here, so um, it's a little odd for me. But we'll we'll crack on. I was hoping you're going to be on your bike. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I said. Well, I mean, if the if the sun was shining, definitely, but. Um, You've got a Super 73 too, I hear. Um, they're a good bit of gear, aren't they, Matt? They, they certainly are. I'm not, not, not quite riding around in the budgie smugglers up in Belfast, but they're a good piece of kit, all right. <laughs> oh, mate, you should give it a crack. <laughs> not my package. You'd look suit. good on a bike in your <laughs> oh, I've, missed, I've missed those scenes. Oh, how are the McNulty brothers getting on? Yeah, they're going really well. A couple of Irish lads. You always need a couple of Irish boys in your team. Um, I mean, Harry talks a lot, but uh, they're good lads. And we've also got Luke Hardy too, I think, who was a part of the Carnic Academy. So, yeah, they're a good bunch of, good bunch of boys. <laughs> Which academy? <laughs> Which academy, though? Carnic? Carnic? <laughs> Come on, boys. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I asked Madzo before you came on, you know, how come, you know, why yourself and Matt Gitto went, went over to the LA Guillotinis and Madzo assured me it was for, you know, to win trophies and have a real rugby challenge, you know? Yeah, absolutely that, mate. I think that um, for me personally, I, I got home from the 2019 World Cup and I was a little bit just unsatisfied with how that tournament went, how potentially the finish of my career could have gone. Um, and I actually started having conversations with people outside the game in terms of what I could be doing next and transitioning into. Um, but Adam Gilchrist, the owner of F45, who obviously just um, obtained two teams over here in the MLR League, gave me a call and convinced me otherwise in terms of hanging the boots up to come over and play a little bit of footy. And uh, so I agreed to terms and... I thought that there'd never been an opportunity in my career to play rugby in the States. And I've always wanted to live here. I've always wanted to experience and embrace the American lifestyle because uh, everything is big and better here. Um, and it's certainly that. Uh, and I just thought it'd be a great opportunity. So, um, and also being able to finish a career on, on my terms. So I, I think that's exactly why I'm here. And that's why Matt's here. A fair play with speaking of people that are finishing their careers, you played with this man that's in studio with us many times for Aussie and, and I was lucky enough to play with him for a number of seasons in, in Leinster. Um, I'd like to hear what you kind of have to say about the guy because for, for me, you know, and staying in, in one club, we had some, some great recruits from abroad and we've had some really poor ones and the ones that stand out for me are the likes of, you know, Rocky Alsom, uh, Easton Asewa, Chris Whitaker, um, Rickard Strauss, you know, and then you've got you know, yourself, Scott, and uh, I'd just love to hear what, what you have to say about the guy, because I, when he came in to, to Leinster, um, you know, you can, you don't know a whole lot about an individual, you just know about the, the, the player they were in the field, and, and really I think that, uh, you know, Scotty, great professional, but 
you know, really good crack. And I think you, you mixed perfectly with the boys. Um, I think Johnny was quoted saying that you're uh, Saturday Scotty because you're not too keen on, on, uh, <laughs> on the training, but he always turns up for the 80 minutes, you know. Oh, is that direct, that question directed at me? <laughs> oh, sorry, it wasn't. It wasn't really a question, as you could tell. It was actually. It was more of a long-winded more of a statement. Scott was talking about that himself. About himself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Phil. If we're talking about buds, absolutely. Let's pump his tyres. I mean, one of the great um, journeymen, one of the great, um, like you said, Saturday football players, is a guy who absolutely rips in in eighty minutes and. I mean, with a mug like that, you know he likes to stick his head in the, the wrong places and puts his body on the line and has a total disregard for his rigs. So you need guys like that in the team. 100%. And um, your time with Leinster, Scotty, I suppose, you know, um, what is your plans next? And do, do you have anything in, in the pipeline as to what you're going to do? Or I'll head back to Australia in the short term, so, you know, catch up with family and then, you know, see what pans out after that, so... It's been very hard from, from over here to sort things out. So, um, yeah, looking forward to getting back to Australia. It's been probably three years since I've been been back there. So, um, haven't seen a lot of guys. Had two kids in Slovenia, and obviously, it was a, with the pandemic, there's a lot of people haven't met my second child and things like that. So, need to get everyone home and, and say good day before um, we do anything else. Yeah, for sure. I think um, when you have the toddlers, you kind of you realise how important the family is. And with COVID as well, it's probably been. Pretty tough being away from from your and Penny's, you know, close knit family and that. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been tough. I mean, a lot of people going going throughout the world, and obviously you've got to go back and do my two weeks quarantine in in Australia and things like that. So um, it has been fairly isolating. But uh, you know, the community here in Ireland's great, and we all, it feels like home for us. And um, you've got some great people here and great people within Leinster, and we've made some great friends at a time in Ireland and really enjoyed it. Yeah, and the the first time I probably came across you after a game in person was. You guys had toured here uh, in 2013. Yourself and Adam were playing that day, um, and there was a bit of there was we had heard in the Irish squad that the Aussies had come over and they they were enjoying themselves, you know. And um, we just didn't know to what extent, but there was rumours that they'd been in copper face jacks for a few nights of the week. Um, do you have anything to say about that, Adam? Copper face jacks, never heard of it. <laughs> 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 Look, all I remember is that we went for a lovely team dinner at, um, I think it was Jamie Heaslip's restaurant, somewhere there in town. And then we went to Red Temple just for a couple. <laughs> yeah. um, and we were looking for a nice little diner on the way back to the hotel to you know, get a bit of a nightcap and a bit of a feed. And we were pointed in the direction of a Copperfield Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> Copperfield you know, Jacks. Yeah. The <laughs> you like the what? There's the locals at Tennis there. We thought we were going to a diner. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we stayed for one or two. Yeah. But it's, it seems like Heathcliff tried to send you boys out in the piss so that you'd lose, but unfortunately, it was probably one of your better performances as an Aussie team there for a few years. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I've had these conversations with Mads. I think there's a lot to be said for a couple of years during the week with your teammates and getting away from the game and uh, bonding finding and forging those stronger relationships just outside the game, not keeping it, um, you know, keeping it very relaxed and making sure you're finding that balance because, you know, that obviously transfers onto the pitch on a weekend. Yeah, that was probably the biggest thing during my time in, in France, which is, like, I'd come from the Lancer environment, which is, 
very intense and you know there's nothing wrong with that but my ability to kind of switch off from you know going from training hard and then switching off back to training hard probably wasn't there it was probably you know too intense for for a few years there but like you know looking at you you're you know you're you're 37 now you've had a great career like talking about that life balance like I think you you, you get that right yeah thanks Mads um I think I have and that's what footy's about. I think footy's about balance. It's about, you know, loving what you do. And, you know, we're very grateful we're in a position to play a game that we love and we get to compete on weekends and most days of the week. Um, so I think you've just got to be, I think you've just got to on top of your balance and making sure you're getting away from the game too, which only creates that love and that the more enjoyment for the game. Yeah. Back on that night out, like back in 2013, like obviously you've had like a couple of nights out at the start of the week. <laughs> Like, no big deal. Like, you know, no rules were broken. It wasn't like COVID was around at the time or anything like that. But, um, like, it, it obviously hit the papers in Ireland, and I'm sure it was a nightmare for you guys dealing with the press back home and, and whatnot. But it was amazing, not for us, but, you know, for how the Aussie team came together and kind of that galvanised you, and you almost had that siege mentality and then went out and put, you know, a great performance at the weekend. Like, I think you guys probably would have beaten anyone that day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fortunately for us, it certainly worked. I mean, we went out for a, a few beers on a Tuesday night. And look, I understand it's a professional game now and you need to treat your preparation professionally. Um, but like I said, and you said, there's a lot to be said for a few beers with your teammates during the week. For us, with the uh, the outcome and the result of that night, um, <laughs> like you said, the media on top of our backs, it certainly brought us together and we had that kind of pack mentality going into the Irish on Saturday, and then I think we put a record score on the Irish that weekend. So, and we're going to have know, to cut you, you if math, you keep mate. that up, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, you blokes keep circling back to that Tuesday night. I don't know what it is with the Irish in this Dublin six. Yeah. But if I'm not going on about, going on about Scotty's bio, it might keep talking, talking about this bloody night eight, you know. <laughs> but, but it was a good night, though. Yeah. I remember the Honey Badger came in, or Nick Cummins came in to talk to a couple of lads in our change room, and, uh, you know, we had our tail between our legs after losing, but I think it was by around 20 points or so, and he just starts harping on about how, how good good a, a city is Dublin to go out in, and we were just like, oh, jeez, we didn't need to hear that, thanks. He was better than match, the badge that day. <laughs> yeah, he was He scored a couple of tries. He was, he was unbelievable. That suits yeah, his style, badge, two, two points there. Had, yeah, I know, he had an invisible cloak on, lads couldn't he tackle. On, he was on fishing Wednesday morning or something like that and then played as well, so he wouldn't have cared. But like. well, back to, back yeah, to a bit a of the... Cat old badge. <laughs> yeah. But back to a little bit of the rugby, but just on the 2011 World Cup, Adam, when, when Ireland um, beat, beat Australia 15-6, and I know you're kind of harping on about that record score, but that must have been a tough enough day at the office. That, that that was a tough one. Thanks for bringing that up, Ferg. Cheers, mate. Um, I mean, you know, World Cup Arena, and um, this is my second. It was the second pool game, I think, wasn't it? Um, and the Irish just turned it on. I think, reflecting back on that game, it was a long time ago, so you're testing my memory now. But I remember that uh, the Irish just came out, just physically bashed us, and that's where the games won, uh, as we all know. They just uh, out enthused us and just. And bashed us, um, and then just kind of closed the game out in the end. You know, and they gave us a real lesson. Yeah, but you lads then having the experience of, you know, the 
the World Cup final as well, that was, you know, what an unbelievable thing to have on your CV. But at the same time, you know, when you play at the top level like you two lads did for so long, it's something that you're always probably going to look back on and be a bit regretful. Would you be, Scotty? Yeah, it's a huge amount of disappointment from that game, I think. As a group, I think I've said to you before, Ferg, our mindset was all about going and winning it and winning the tournament. And, you know, we'd already painted that picture in our heads and about going home and taking the trophy with us and things like that. So um, to fall one game short was just so disappointing as a group. And But, you know, now looking back at it, it was a great experience. You know, the games, have, especially in this COVID times now that we're having mm. with no crowds, it was an amazing tournament to be in in, in London with the crowds I had, so many Aussies in the crowd, um, you know, just a fantastic experience anyway, but um, obviously tinged with a, f a fair bit of sadness. Yeah, but for you then, Scotty, just t touching back on your, your time in Leinster and before you came, like, was it mainly Czechs you talked to before you got over here? I know you've had a really successful time, but like... Yeah, I talked to Czechs before you saw it anywhere overseas. You what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't talk to Czechs before you sign anywhere overseas. You'd, you'd leave that off, you know. You're sneaking around the place trying to find your map, trying to find a guy I used to be in Dublin before I signed. Like, I was meeting him in some some hotel out the back somewhere in Dublin before I signed here in 2016. So, if Czechs found out that you were meeting someone, he'd be filthy. So, while you're on tour, so um, oh, fair enough. Yeah. What about Rocky? What about someone that you could talk to from Mars? Like, you know uh, I, mean? I talked to Kane Douglas. I talked to a bit. Um, he was someone who was here only a year, but um, you know, obviously it didn't pan out how he would have liked, but he loved the club. And hmm. um, and then Charlie Higgins was obviously here at the SNC, so I knew him well, so got in contact with him. But um, I knew the pedigree of the club, but you know, produced the players that produced in, in the past and, and the trophies that have won over the last decade. So um, it really sold itself in terms of coming to come to a big club to you know want to be successful in Europe. Sorry, obviously you. Oh, sorry, uh, free. Sorry, yeah. just the golf courses. Like Scott's not talking <laughs> about the fucking golf courses. Like, that's the main reason you came to Ireland. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Surprise, you haven't come to Ireland for the golf courses yet, Sweet. But uh, obviously, you've been in Ex Japan. J sorry, <laughs> you've been in Japan, France, and now the yeah. States. Were you ever tempted to come to one of the Irish provinces? Funnily enough, I uh, was having a conversation with. Um, Leinster after my time at Bordeaux when Laurent Marti decided to brush us. Um, but it was Japan that got the pick. So I went, I went that way because I was on the way home. But no, I was, I was close and I was all, I've always been quite intrigued by the Leinster setup. Um, I had a coach who coached me at the Brumbies who headed there, party, pickles, Matty O'Connor, which you guys know probably pretty well. Um, and obviously a lot of greats, a lot of great Aussies have played there at Leinster, you know, the likes of Fards and, and Rocky. Uh, Dougie, so um, Lottie Takiri, and obviously talking to you, Mads. You know, with in our time in um, in our time in France, uh, how, how much of a professional setup it was. It kind of was always of interest to me, but never really panned out, mate. Yeah, just the Lions, lads. Just to touch on a bit of the Lions stuff, because obviously we can say what we want about it. But was there any surprises? Have you kept an eye on it, Adam, or would you would you would you even be keeping a close eye on what's happening this side of the world, rugby wise? Ah, uh, mate. Casted, casted a bit of an eye over it. No, I probably, probably, I'm not in a position to share too much insight on that, mate. We've, I'm on this side of the world. We're just kind of focusing on getting a training on our Super 73s at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like, Sue, for you when when the Lions came to Australia? Uh, what was it like being on the other side of it? 
Uh, I mean, epic. I mean, it's one of those series that every player wants to be a part of. And I felt really fortunate enough that I was playing when the time the Lions came to Australia. I mean, obviously the build-up and the atmosphere. I remember at the time just thinking, like, this is what it's all about. This is what playing rugby is all about. The first game at Suncorp was a full house and the atmosphere and the energy was just electric. We fell short. Um, we got one back the next week in Melbourne and then the final, which was such a big hype, um, didn't go our way, obviously. But, you know, reflecting back, it was an amazing experience, that's for sure. Yeah, I think from both sides, they said that that was possibly one of the best Lions tours. You know, obviously being in Australia, it's such a great country to, to visit, I'd say. Um, what was it like, like support-wise? Did you feel that, that, you know, the Lions supporters had got over there and there was a good mix? There was a really good mix. I mean, there were a lot of Lions supporters and we were expecting that for sure. I mean, I remember looking around the stadium um, down there in Melbourne, it was half yellow, half red. I mean, the Lions always get the support and that's what makes the series so special. It's just that atmosphere that I touched on earlier. Yeah, for sure. You're over there, Adam, with a couple of lads that, or sorry, with, with Matt, Matt Gitto, you know so well, but you and, um, you and Scotty have played together for, for quite a while. What were your earliest memories? Was it against each other? Was it playing with each other uh, in rugby? I played against you. Was it? I think I played against you. I think you were at Bramston, maybe? I might have played you club footy first. I think you might have been at the Norths. I played you for... You would have come back from Super Rugby for Norths. I would have played you... I was playing for Ringer. I was like a rake, though, at that stage. Like, not much has changed, but... It's pretty... <laughs> <laughs> you are an A2. You're just a bit, bit more of a belly, aren't you? Yeah, a bit more belly. Yeah. E-tier. Dad yeah. <laughs> um, And then, yeah, obviously, would have played a couple of game, big games. And that was obviously a huge rivalry with Brumbies, Waratahs, and, and still is now, so... Um, but yeah, that was probably the the peak. Like the Reds and Brumbies are now. Probably the Waratahs and the and the Brumbies were in in my time back in Australia. Mm. It must be um, nice to have one of your buddies over there, though, Adam, in in Macedo. You know, obviously cool to go to a new yeah. environment and all the rest. But to have a familiar face, you guys seem to get on great. Yeah, it's 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 special, mate. Like I mean, you you kind of establish and develop relationships over rugby career, really special ones. And uh, I mean, the fact that I'm now back playing with him on this side of the world is is awesome. Um, and he's a big reason why I came over too, knowing that he was agreeing to terms as well. And then also I've got David Dennis here that I, um, I'm really, really good mates with, who I spent some time with at Tars back in the day. So, I mean, like for us, you know, treating it like our last year of footy, playing with some really good mates, in America, I mean, it doesn't get much better. Yeah, it looks like it's a real player-led group. You know, is, is, it, is it very much, obviously, the head coach and, and, and whatnot, but is this very much the players driving everything over there? I mean, the, oh, well, I mean, the coach obviously oversees most of the work. I mean, he's very passionate about his job and he's a great coach, but I think he's given us free reign in terms of building our own culture, and that's something that we've done really early, done really well. Um, and, you know, that, that's half the battle these days in performing well is making sure the group gels uh, and gets along. And we're, we're putting a lot of work into our socials, as you can see, not in terms of online, but, you know, getting together off the field and making sure that we're developing those relationships. Yeah, it looks like that. Speaking of socials off the field, there's, um, we have a, a, a line here that said that Drew Mitchell uh, was on the show here last year, man, another man you know very well. And we'd like to know how he ended up as a celebrant for your wedding. Oh, 
You want the real story? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, so basically, uh, there was one night we were kind of back in Sydney and Bondi um, when Drew and I were living together. I started seeing my now wife, Anna, and we have an open door policy at home, So which, which Drew established really early. So if the door was closed, obviously there were plenty of things happening. But anyway, he came home one, one early morning, three or four o'clock in the morning, and the door was closed. And he came barging through and was, you know, touching on the fact that the rules are rules are rules and and it was an open door policy. And obviously I was in bed with Anna anyway. He kind of he he jumped on top and he proceeded to um set up a scenario that like Anna was giving birth and he was and he was delivering the baby, which was a pillow <laughs> at the time. And he put it anyway, he put it to us, he gave us an ultimatum, he said, Look. If you guys are going to be serious together moving forward, I have to do one of two things. I can either deliver your first baby or I can be celebrating at your, at your wedding. <laughs> and obviously it was going to be the latter. And he did a fantastic so job. So that's how it basically came about. <laughs> oh, he did an incredible job. He did an incredible job. He did a course back here in Oz, uh, touched up on his celebrant skills and got over to France and, and he delivered. Mm. In 35 degree heat. I remember sitting in the, at, the, at the wedding and um, typical Paddy, like I was sweating so badly. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, had, I had prepared and I had like, I think three shirts in the car ready to go. But my shirt was actually the least of my worries. When I stood up, I'd sweated through my gray suit through the crack in my in my trousers, so I'm the grey is a poor choice of colour, Mads. <laughs> Very poor choice of colour in forty degree heat. Uh, I've actually seen some but of you the did look good. I've seen some of the stuff with you, Drew Mitchell and Matt Gitto, and honestly, you know, you're obviously three best mates. But I'm pretty sure if I was that tight with any other lads, my missus would be potentially seeing seeing a counsellor about it. You know. <laughs> yeah, we certainly push the boundaries. I mean, the girls are okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> and Tammy Swoop, how's uh, backline wines going? Shit house. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good drop, I hear. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's going right. That's no, a beautiful drop. It's yeah. absolute mother's milk fudge, you know yeah. that. Um, we've got a Shiraz and we've got a Cab Sab from the Adelaide Hills, McLaren Vale. It's going really well, but just unfortunately, myself and Gitz have moved over this side, and Drew's really busy with his Channel Nine commitments. So it's been really hard to kind of engage in that in the business side of things. So we've we've just done the one year one vintage, and um, we'll wait until we get back to see where we move forward with backline wines. Nice. We're gonna move back to Scotty for a minute because I want to kind of ask you, you know, what your favourite memories were from moving over this side. You know, you came over here. With your missus, you've had two sons here who are, will have Irish passports, which is pre- pretty cool. Um, you know, what, what were your best memories from, from your time in Leinster? Yeah. Well, um, I have to say the birth of my sons. But, <laughs> um, in terms of a playing, from a playing perspective, I think um, obviously Bilbao was a, a massive day, but I think um, the semi-final, I think before that, was Scarlet's when you went off with the you did your hamstring and the scoring in the corner. It was one of my great memories. I think I sent you the photo when, when you did retire about you diving over the corner in the sun and you know the crowd. That crowd was amazing that day in the Aviva. And um, 
yeah, and was one of our best performances we've had, and that's what I was really focused on because we went to Bilbao and we didn't actually play very well, so um, we felt like kind of got away with it a bit in Bilbao, but in that that week versus Scarlets, we prepped really well, came out, played really well, um, and that was just such a satisfying feeling in front of our home crowd as well. Yeah, doing the double. I always found it like you're an interesting character from a rugby perspective because whether you were kicking lumps out of someone or someone is kicking lumps out of you, you were generally smiling on the field. <laughs> actually, always for such a prickly guy, the way you played, you were actually the easiest place to get under your skin was actually the golf course. Generally, as in any time we were against each other, proper competitive, <laughs> you know, we could end up like we wouldn't be talking a whole lot in the car park, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you've had a few scraps nearly on the on the course, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been How a, good's a golf scrap. Yeah, well, the first time I played with you, you didn't pick me up, so that was a bit. You were meant to pick me up, remember? Nine oh, green yeah. and nine stuff, and yeah, true. Had a yeah. few too many pints the night before and missed the pick up. So <laughs> I thought it was. I thought I was getting hazed the first time I met. It's a good first, so, good yeah, first impression. Standing at my gate, standing at the gate of my complex, waiting for you to pick me up with my golf bag for forty minutes. The, waiting for the pissing rain. Yeah, the pissing rain in Dublin. It was great. That Zyre golf. Do you follow that Zyre golf, Adam, on Instagram? Am I sorry? The Zyre golf page on Instagram. They've got like. These videos. Oh, I'm not aware of that. <laughs> oh, you'd be all over this swoop. It's all like it's golf obsessed, and it's you know funny diff- different kind of mannerisms on the golf course, different mistakes. Generally, guys making a show of themselves and just being passionate about getting out for their their round of golf at the weekend. You'd be all over it. Oh yeah, like a cheap suit. Do you have? Uh, you send me a do link. You, do you have a four <laughs> ball over there that you get to play with? Obviously, D- Dave Dennis is a tidy golfer. Yeah, very tidy golf for single figures. Um, no, we haven't had a chance yet. I mean, because we've kind of, uh, we've been on a bit of a journey so far. I mean, we started off in Maui together, which was a good result. Um, and then we had to move up to Oxnard and, sit and get into a bit more of a bubble format. So we spent a couple of weeks up there and we've only just recently got back to LA about five weeks ago. So we haven't really had a chance to hit the, uh, the golf courses here, but I'm sure there's a few tidy options, that's for sure. So what's the rest of your season look like there? Or where is it at? Because being honest, like, we, aren't follow, we don't follow really the, the, the league over there, but I'm just wondering, like, are you halfway through? doesn't even know the name of it. The MLOR. <laughs> the league. The league. <laughs> LA Giltonines, is it? <laughs> um, how the season's looking at, we're, we're mid-season at the moment. Um, so we're on the downhill, which is, which is nice. Um, we're sitting top of our conference, which is a great position to be in. Um, but we've got some really tough games coming up. Actually, we're playing on Wednesday, so that's a pretty short turnaround. We played last night, training tomorrow, and travel down to Austin on Tuesday. And i tell you what the challenging thing is with travelling over here in the States, is that um, because you're playing all over America, it's like door-to-door, it's like 12 hours. Like, I mean, it is a long day, and you're still in the same country by the time you get to the hotel. It's, it, that's hard to kind of get your head around. But um, but with that said, you know, you're, you're visiting awesome parts of the States. We've been in New Orleans. We've been in Houston. We are in New York last week. And tomorrow, and on Tuesday, we're going down to, back down to Austin, Texas. So and it's, it's, similar, cool. it's similar to the league over here. There's two different conferences. And then is it top two play semifinal, final, you know, when you get to the end of the season? Pretty yeah, much. when we get to the end, so it's basically we're in the uh, West Conference and one place, two in the semi, and 
of your same conference and then you'll obviously meet the winner of the other respective conference in SME in the final. Brilliant. What about you, Scotty? What's the, the last few weeks look like for, I know Leinster in the Rainbow Cup, there's an outside chance of, of finals, but it's kind of outside, isn't it, at this stage? Yeah, you know, it's waiting. We kind of, there's, I think there's three teams in finals at the moment, so, um, yeah, we just got to keep playing well, so, um, boys did a good job versus Ulster on, on Friday night, and then they'll play, we play again on Glasgow in a couple of weeks, so, um, take the week off this week and enjoy my last corner week off as a, as a player, so, and then uh, we'll build towards those games. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a different kind of league. It's um, be great to get through it and play one of the South African sides if you get the opportunity. Yeah, it'd be a nice way to finish. Is it? What way is it, is it going to be structured then? Is it? Is it just? I think two they're more, trying to get the like, South Africans up into Europe. So right. from the mail is that the I think the top team out of each conference will play each other once. So on the on the nineteenth of June there. So um, I actually only found that out today. <laughs> I I thought it was the top. Two from Europe were playing against each other, but obviously I'm wrong, and it doesn't. Well, I might be wrong. It might change yeah, again. Well, so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Ulster are going to make the final this year. Anyway, we're three and zero, but um, yeah, it's it's been a funny competition. Like Treviso, I think are top of the league now. They've, they're three from three. Um, they've got two more games to go, but yeah, it's going to be a battle. Like there's probably four or five different teams that can still be top of the you know effectively the European Conference, and then. I haven't been following the South African teams. I know the Bulls are going well. They're they're a very good side. I know you don't want to say it, but like because you're still playing. But being honest, basically, Adam, there's this um, <laughs> tournament that's been thrown together at the end of this season, which has been the longest season of all time for these guys. Because I had actually re- retired in October with three month extension on my contract, but these boys have been playing pretty much for a year and a half with a little bit of a break, you know. And then it's all been rolled into so our regular. European and Pro 14 season finished and they've, they've produced this new competition called the Rainbow Cup and uh, the format of it is just like it's changed you know every second week it's actually even quite hard to follow yeah, it's hard it's to follow as a player like I can only imagine what it's like for, for the supporters um, but yeah look it's it's going to be it's going to be rolled out and there's going to be four South African teams included next year and that's going to be a full league season and, and you know I'm sure that that will work well but they've they've really tried to just shoehorn a bit of a competition in at the end of the season and it it's been hard to follow as a player let alone as a supporter. Hmm. Well please God there'll be Egypt's the for the lads. Yeah, yeah in the future it will be nice <laughs> but listen please God Scotty you know you you got a uh, another couple of good days out in the RDS and maybe Penny can be there with the lads as well. And, and uh, Adam, best of luck uh, with the rest of your season. Thanks a lot for coming on uh, the show, guys. That was uh, really enjoyable. Cheers, guys, and cheers to everybody for watching and listening. A big thanks to producer Pat, Paul, Colm, Anthony, Dermid, and everyone helped getting the show together. This is House Rugby Ireland here on Joe. House of Rugby Ireland, here on Joe. Game changed.